the lights was a cue. In case you've never been to like the theater or something. Yeah, when the lights flash, that means the show is about to start. And, and you guys are lucky because I guess I'm the show. No, you're not lucky. So, uh, yeah, if you saw Facebook, uh, I think Mara put up a picture of Joe and I. When we were, the day we were married, 20 years ago, this past Wednesday, and uh, the number one comment was, oh, Tom had hair. So I appreciate the recognition. So just go on Facebook. Go on our Facebook account. It's, it's, it's on Branch's Facebook. And, you know, I told Joe this week, I said, Joe, you know, if you would have killed me when you wanted to, you would almost be out of prison by now after 20 years. So she, she missed her, her, her opportunity. So, but <laughs> she might as well just write it out now because I'll probably die quicker than she will have had to spend, spend a prison term. And now that we've talked about it, it's premeditated, so she's, she'd be a lifer. So, But 20 years, is uh, it's, it's been rough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I guess the point is, is that we, uh, I don't think we would have made it had, had we not been committed to God, had we not had a relationship with God and been, and that been our first commitment, I think within the first year we would have been done. And, and so for me, the milestone is going to be the 26th year because that's the year I was 26 when we got married. And I've always thought that once you cross that line where you've lived with your spouse longer than you live single, then you really are getting into a rhythm. So I've got six more years to, to figure this thing out. So I'm going to stop. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. So the, yeah, just keep digging, right? You'll have to get like a hoist to lift me out in a second here. Um, so this morning is more of, of some business than it is a message. So if, if this is your first time, welcome. You get to listen to uh, some business of, of the church. And it, it really is putting, putting feet to what we've been talking about for three years as a church. It's, it's actually putting into practice and, and moving towards what God's called us to, to do and be as followers of him. So, so that's what we're going to talk about. But before we do that, I just want to... Um, just reaffirm a couple announcements David made. Today at 2 p.m., um, we're, we're having a, a call-out meeting for Vacation Bible School, and so um, you'll probably see it's called Camp Wanna Stay. And, uh, and so at 2 p.m., if you just want to hear information about what Vacation Bible School is going to be, by coming to this meeting at 2, you're not committing, we're not locking you down. We're just asking you that if, if at all you think you might be able to or willing to or interested in, in serving and helping as we reach out to our community and, and host a vacation Bible school this July, that you would come to the meeting today at 2. It's going to be a, a pretty brief informational meeting just sharing how you can get involved and what it's all going to be about. So that's, that's today. And then, as, as, as it was mentioned, uh, life groups wrap up this week, and then we'll take a week off. And kind of our strategy is this, that, that you know, we meet all, all year individually in groups, you know, small huddles throughout, you know, our community. And then we, we, in the summer, we do what we call family fun nights. And that's everybody then getting together and building relationships as one. And, and so what that looks like is on Wednesday nights, we come together, we, we have a carry-in meal. Basically, you grab and bring whatever you can. You know, if you have three people in your family, you bring a salad that will serve three people. That, you know, and it all bounces out. Whatever you bring, we eat. And so there's been weeks we've had all desserts or 
all fried chicken from the, the grocery store because everybody was busy. We just eat whatever's brought, and then we, you know, we have a quick time or a good time of worship, and then we play some games. And, and so the games are, are a blast, and so uh, to say the least. So that, that kicks off um, first week of June. And, and so just plan. Plan that this summer you're going you're gonna to kind of get involved and, and be a part of the community of branches and, and just come and, and have fun with us. And like I said, there will be nights you'll leave. Last year we left at a night, and I thought there's no way anybody could ever top what just took place in this church because it was, it was wild. It was good. So you'll have to come to it. It's going to be fun. And so, so those, are, those are just a couple quick announcements. But what I want to do is just talk about missions this morning and, and how as a church we can partner in missions and with missions in the world. And, and so what, I want to share a story about a, a, a guy named, and I'm going to mess his name up. It's Adoniram Jedson is his name. And, 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 and uh, <laughs> Joe's laughing because she knows, but in October or February of, of, of 1812, he marries this lady named Anne. And two weeks later, they board a ship for, out of, out of um, the Northeast from the U.S. to India. And they are, the, they are the recorded first American missionary sent out to a foreign land in 1812. And, and so they board this ship to India that takes them four months as a newlywed couple to cross the oceans and land in India. When they land in India, they quickly realize that they're not wanted in India. That India does not want Americans and Christians coming and, and sharing, sharing their beliefs. And so after a year of struggles, they, they're told they have to leave. So they board another ship, and they land in Burma. And Burma is today called Myanmar. And, uh, but they land in Burma, and they, go, they set out to start to learn the Burmese culture and the language. And it's, it's a grueling four-year process for them to learn the language. Uh, after six years of being in Burma, they finally see their first person um, come to relationship with Jesus. Six years of, of learning the language, trying to build relationships, and one person says, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. When they hit their 10th year mark in Burma, in Burma they had a, a church of 18 people. So, so that's, that's some trudging uphill, if you will, as missionaries. Now, now here's, here's the thing you have to understand. When a missionary of those days left home, they bought a one-way ticket. It wasn't a round-trip ticket. They... If they received a letter from home, it took six months to get to them. And that's if, if the ship didn't, something happened with the ship, like it didn't sink or, or, or they had to throw the, the box of letters overboard. If they wanted to respond, it was six months. So a correspondence took a year. Judson saw two wives die while he was on the mission field. And he stayed there and 37 years spent his life serving the people of Burmese he translated the Bible into the Burmese language. He was, he was recorded as the first missionary to welcome in a single woman to be a missionary. First, he, into Burma, the first single woman came to be a missionary, and he, and he welcomed her in, which was, again, not heard of at the time. And he developed a lung disease and, and needed to go back to the United States, and it was only his second time in 37 years traveling back to the United States, and he died at sea after serving his entire life. Serving God in a foreign land, learning a foreign custom, foreign traditions, and becoming part of the Burmese culture. And it was a lonely, lonely time for missionaries during that time. Now today, things are different, aren't they? Because a person that decides that they want to go to the mission field or called to the mission field, they can quickly Google the area that they're going to be called to. 
They can learn all about the culture, learn about what is expected when they land and what the, what, how to fit in. They can rent a home. They can buy a car. They can do everything right online in order to get set up to go. A missionary today can, can easily be contacted by their, their family and friends back at home through Facebook or email or, or through Skype. They can, um, their church can send letters and, and send emails quickly, and they could have close relationships with their supporters back at home. But here's the interesting problem is that I talked with two missionaries over the past couple weeks, and their number one struggle is loneliness. Their number one concern is that we feel like we've been abandoned, forgotten. Nobody's communicating with us. Our families barely talk to us. Our friends don't. And the churches that support us, we never hear from them. And I thought, wow, that's, that shouldn't be in our, in our day and age, should it? That shouldn't be in our culture. I talked with Peter Everett today, or, or two days ago, and he was telling me that, that that's his biggest struggle for three and a half, two and a half years they've been in Dominican Republic, and for two and a half years they felt like everybody forgot them. I talked with some missionaries who spent 18 years in, in Russia, and when they've just returned home this past year, and basically life was pushed on pause for them when they left to go to Russia 18 years ago. Everybody else kept moving forward, and they're starting fresh with friends and 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 people and relationships because out of sight, out of mind. And that's kind of a, a sad reality of what happens with, with missionaries when, when they fulfill the call that, that, you know, of God calling them into a foreign land, a lot of times we forget about them. And, and I could tell you that we've, as branches, have been a little bit guilty of even doing that, like with Peter and Barbie. We've, we've not kept in communication with them on the level that would have encouraged them. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk about missions as far as what branches is involved with in this world. What, you know, what is our strategy for missions? I want to talk about, look at some biblical, um, just some biblical principles, some ideas of how we as a church can support and get involved with, with the missions that, that, we're, that we, we claim to be involved with. And then I, I want to put a practical challenge out for us as, as followers of Jesus on how we can, in real time, support the mission, missions in, that we as a church support and how we individually can get involved with that. Okay, so that's kind of the roadmap of where we're going. So what I want to just cover first is just the, the strategy that Branches has for, for missions. And so there's three areas that we, that we believe that we need to be a part of. And the first is this. The first is that we want to partner with vineyard, vineyard churches um, with vineyard church planting around the world. So, so here's what that means. If you do some history of the vineyard church, the vineyard movement, um, we're a church planting movement. And so we believe that going into a, a city or a region and planting a church is the best way to evangelize an area. It brings life to the city. It brings life to the churches in the area. And so we're a church planting movement. And so vineyard church throughout the country has been planting churches as their form of, of growth and growing and, and, and showing people the love of God. And so that's why we were a church plant um, a little over three years ago here in Warsaw. And so what we do as a church, what Branches does, every time we pass that little basket and you put money into that plate, 3% of everything that we, that you, we all give to the ministry at Branches, 3% we send to Vineyard National. And what Vineyard National does is they use that money to support missions around the world. They use that money to support church planting, both in the United States and around the world. They use that money to produce material, 
um, teaching material and educational material. They use that money to support us as local churches. And so 3% of everything that, that we as branches gives to the kingdom of God goes towards supporting foreign missions and local missions and church planning. Just in our region, and so Vineyard's broken up into regions and area, and just our region, which is we're the furthest south and it goes up through Michigan, six churches have been planted since January 1st. And that's all, all funded and started by money that, that we as a local church give. So, so that's what we do. The second thing that we do in, in partnering with, with church planning around the world is that we as a church partner with the Russian Missions Partner. Partnership, And what that means is that every church in the United States, there's 600 vineyards in the United States, are encouraged to be involved in a partnership that's, that's supporting a, a, a church planting movement in a foreign country. And so for us, by default, we, we landed with Russia, and so we support eight vineyard churches in Russia. And every month we give money that, on top of our 3%, we give money that goes towards those those vineyard churches to help support them because they're not supported by their government the way we are. They, they don't have the, the tax incentives that we have. And, and frankly, they don't have the size of the church that we have just to even support themselves. So we, we provide support as part of the partnership. We provide oversight and leadership to the pastors in Russia. We are committed that uh, once a year, we will, we will encourage and send people to Russia. So just a couple months ago, Dave, Dave Russell, swing your hand up, Dave. Dave was in Russia. He went with a team of people, of about 10 people. They went and, and did a conference on praying, on how to pray, how to, how to pray for people. And uh, he went and was part of that team. And that was a conference to the vineyard churches in Russia in order to support them. And so this summer, we have three of us that will be going to Russia for two weeks. And our, our, our challenge or our, our mission for the three weeks is, or two weeks is going to be to, to be with the, the vineyard youth, the youth of the vineyard churches in Russia. And we're going to go and um, provide some, some, some love for them, some relationship building, and, and some training on how they can share Jesus in their world. And so, so that's, that's our, one of our big strategies is to partner with, with vineyard church planning movement around the world. The second way that we, that we strategize with, with missions is that we partner with branches, people who go long-term. And so if you, if you know Peter and Barbie, this is Peter and Barbie Everett. They're in Dominican Republic, and um, we were part of helping them and sending them down to the Dominican Republic, and they work in, in the anti-trafficking movement of trying to get people who are caught in, in sex trade industry. And... Uh, Peter and Barbie were instrumental in us helping plant this church. When we started planting this church, Peter and Barbie came alongside Joe and I as friends and just gave us support and encouragement as we had to change our life to, to plant this church. And then Pete was you know, part of our worship team, if you were here in the early days, playing bass and, and just helping with every, every aspect of how we how we you know, started this church. And so we support Peter and Barbie ever, and, and things have, have adjusted for them. They're no longer with Destiny Rescue, and they're, they're actually developing an organization called ATB, which is Anti-Trafficking Bureau. Is this correct? Yeah. And, and one of the things that they're doing, which is pretty high level, is, is they have made inroads with the government in Dominican Republic, and the, the, the government is leaning towards them and their knowledge and expertise to help strategize, train, and bring about um, change when the, when the government recognizes a, a brothel or a situation where, where girls are being trafficked, and, and they're leaning into Peter and Barbie and their organization to, uh, to, to, bri- to, bri- to provide training and support and help as well as the aftercare. So that's what, that's what we're doing 
with, with people who are long-term out of branches. So if you are a person that, that you feel a call to, to missions, we, the answer is yes. The answer is it doesn't matter what you feel called to in missions. We support you. And so, so if you feel called to missions, you know that your church is 100% behind you. And that's in, a, in, a, in all aspects, including financial level, that, that we want to support branches people that, that feel called to go out on long-term missions. So that's kind of our, our second strategy. The third area is that we support branches, people who go on short-term missions. And, and what that means is every year, many people leave for you know, two or three weeks or two or three days or, or two or three months, and they go out and, and serve God's kingdom on a short-term level. So, so if you were here just a month ago, Jack went into the prison system for a weekend, and every time Jack gets ready to go into the prison system, we want to support what Jack does and the ministry that he's called to. So one of the practical ways that we support that is we, date, we, take cook, we bake cookies for them because they take cookies in, and that's an inroad for them to have relationship with the people in the prison system. And, and you know, as Jack shared a couple weeks ago, coming up in June or July, he'll be sharing more and more and, and, and making an opportunity if you want to be a part of this ministry that he's a part of. Um, so, so that's areas that we support short term. And then Scott here, this is a picture of Scott Lawton. Come on up, Scott. So we're going to do a little interview with Scott. Scott's um, leaving us after next weekend, and he's, I don't want to tell him too much, but he's going away on a short-term mission that God's called him to. And so I just, I want to give an opportunity to, for Scott to share with us what he's doing, what God's called him to, and what future for him is. And then at the end of service, we just want to, we're going to pray for Scott over here. We're going to lay hands on him and send him out as he goes out and serves God for the summer. So, so when we're wrapping up the service, if I forget, just kind of yell at me like, hey, don't forget about Scott. And because uh, I, I just tend to get, my mind goes. So Scott, um, obviously, we, everybody say hi to Scott. Okay, you all know his name, so we know your name. But tell us a little bit about yourself, what you've been doing in your life so far, what you hope to do in the future of your life. Sure. My name's Scott Lawton. I grew up here in Warsaw, right down the road. Um, the last eight years, I've worked at Zimmer Biomet in a few different capacities in regulatory and engineering. And over the last few years, I've been training to do missions aviation as a pilot and a mechanic. And what missions aviation is, is using aircraft to serve missions organizations and missionaries to take supplies, people, and medical help to remote areas that are difficult to reach or impossible to reach by land. Good. So this summer you're going away. Tell us where you're going, who you're going with. So I'll be going to Mozambique, Africa, um, which is down on the southeast side of Africa. I'll be serving with an organization called Iris Global. Um, and they primarily serve orphans and do church planning. They were started about 25 years ago in Mozambique, which is still one of the poorest nations in the world and still has around 2 million orphans in that nation. And, and at the back end of, of your time in Mozambique, what do you hope to have achieved or what do you hope for the future? So I'll be doing a general training school um, where I'll be practically equipped to serve in the third world. And um, some of my hopes for this school are to just partner with whatever Jesus is doing in Mozambique to encourage the missionaries and the churches there and also to gain direction and hear his voice as far as whether I'm called to be a long-term pilot in Mozambique um, 
and what the next steps look like for me in terms of mission aviation. Okay. So we need to pray for Scott and we need to encourage him and we need to send him off. So, uh, so yeah, so at the end of service, we'll do that and, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll get behind him and support him as he goes away for the summer. Thanks, Scott. So the next thing I want to cover is just why missions. Why, why is it important for us to, to support missions, to send out missionaries, to, to, to be missionaries in this world? And, and you know, if you, if, you, if you tuned in on the worship this morning, the, the songs that we were singing to God, it was a powerful story of being redeemed from, from sin. And, and God's given us, his people, the, the authority and the and the and the, the the challenge and the charge to go share that in the world, and and so that's mission. So if you're if you're out in Warsaw sharing with people in your in your radius of influence who Jesus is, you're 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 a you're an ambassador for Jesus. You're sharing God's kingdom with people, and so we see an example of that obviously with with Jesus and his disciples. In Luke chapter 9, it says this, One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them the power and the authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So, so as a missionary, your job is to go out and tell people about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is, is freedom from the kingdom of this world. And, and so if you've been with us over the past you know, several months, this has been a, a big topic for us with the kingdom of God. But also there's that point where it says, and to heal the sick. And what, what that means is that not only are we to tell people about the kingdom of God, but we're to bring the kingdom of God to people. Because when people are healed, when the sick are healed, that's God's power, that's God's kingdom coming in and breaking through the kingdom of this world and bringing wholeness to to people in the way that God intended us to have. So, so that's what, what, what missions is. And then probably if you've, if you've read your Bible, you will know that one of the most popular missionaries in the Bible is a guy named Paul. And if you open up the, the New Testament, that's Matthew through Revelation, you'll find that a, a, a large majority of the New Testament was written by Paul. And, and a lot of the, the, the letters, the, the books of, of the New Testament, which are letters, are written to churches that Paul, as, as a missionary, he planted and established, and he, he, he is encouraging in these letters. I'm getting a whole bunch of texts, and one of the texts, this is how our world works. Peter Everett. See? So here's a guy in Dominican Republic. We just had a prayer time for your church service this morning, believing for the Holy Spirit to be present in a special way. We live in, a, in an area, respond back to him, would you? Tell him I'm busy. <laughs> we live in, I mean, this is, this, is, this is why missionaries should not be feel lonely. Because, because a guy from another country can send me a text and, and it's free because I have the app. I'm lost now. Thanks, Pete. So, so let's just go to Acts, Acts chapter 13. This is, the, this is what we are going to do with Scott here today. It says, one day the men were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work for which I had called them to. So after more f- 
fasting and praying. You guys like that fasting part? The men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So, so here's a picture of, of the church getting behind people, hearing from God, and sending people out. And so Paul gets sent out, and, and one of the churches that he established is a church uh, to the Philippians. And, and in, in the book of Philippians, you have Paul, he's sitting in prison. He's in prison for basically sharing, sharing the gospel. And, and the church in Philippi, they've, they've learned about him being in prison. And Paul's writing them a letter to encourage them, but he's also writing them a letter to thank them for their support. And, and here's where I think as a church, we can grab just a few key things that, that the Philippians did for their missionary Paul. And we as a church can say, we could put those things into practice. We could do those things. And let's do those things in order to support these missionaries who are out in the trenches doing God's work. So, so here's, here's the first thing. There's three things that, that I think we could do as branches to partner in missions. And the first is that we can pray. And so we find that in Philippians 1, chapter, or verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 19. It says, I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. So Paul, Paul recognizes that the church is praying for him. And it, it may sound cliche, right, for us to go, oh, let's pray for our, pray for our missionaries. It may sound like, oh, yeah, that's just what we do. We pray for our missionaries. But, but what I want to just remind us is that when we pray, we employ a spiritual principle. And it's the strongest way that we can support those who are out on the mission field. When we pray as a church, we engage with God in the work that he's called them to do. And we pave the way through our prayers for the successes of God's kingdom while these people are out doing his work. And so this is the first type of, of support that the, the church in Philippi was giving Paul as he was, as he was out doing God's work as missionaries. And so the question is, is, as a church, can we pray for those that we support? Can we pray for the Everts? Can we pray for, for the churches in Russia? Can we pray for Scott as, as he goes out for the summer? Is this something that as a church we can say, yes, we can do this? And, and really do it. Not just say, yeah, we're going to do it, but really can we pray for them and, and ask God and through his spiritual principles to, to really pave the way and, 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 and bring his kingdom through the work that Scott's doing this summer. So that's, that's the first way that the Philippian church supported missions and, and that we can. The second way is that they encouraged. They encouraged Paul. Philippians 2, as we, as we move on through the, through the book of Philippians, it says this. He's, Paul's writing back to the church. He says, Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me when I was in need. And so when, when the, the church heard that Paul was imprisoned, they sent this man to, to, to encourage and support Paul. I get this picture that as, as, as Epaphroditus showed up, he had a care package. And he said, hey, here, here's some food for you because prison food stinks, right? Especially maybe back then. Um, probably stinks now, I don't know. Um, but here's some food for you. Here's letters of encouragement. Here's, here's things to say, hey, you've got a team behind you. You can keep going. And Paul's saying, thank you for the, that in, encouragement. As a church, it's so easy for us to encourage the missionaries in this world. We can shoot off an email so quickly. We can Facebook message somebody. We can could, we could call them on Skype and have a conversation. Again, this week when I, just calling Peter and Barbie, it, it had been a long time since I talked to them, it, there, it, there was a boost in their step just 
over the past few few days since that first initial phone call, just that they know, okay, there's, there's somebody out there that's remembering us. We're not here alone. And so can we as a church, can we support missions through encouraging the, the missionaries that are out there? Can we make a commitment that we're going to send emails? We're going to stay in communication with them, letting them know what God's doing in us, through us, to support them. When, when we go to Russia, we take peanut butter because you can't hardly buy peanut butter in Russia and Russians like peanut butter, but we take jars of peanut butter as, as encouragement and, and gifts to the Russian people. I, I've learned that those little root beer barrels, you know, you could buy them for a buck a bag. I take like four or five bags. I get all the kids become my friends. I'm kind of like what my dad does here on Sunday mornings because <laughs> I give them little candies. But even the, even the adults, they're like coming to me going, hey, you got some of those little root beers because root beer is not a flavor that they're used to, but they like the flavor. So just bring in an encouragement. Bring in, how can we encourage those that we support in missions? How can we, how can we play a part in that? And then, and then the third way is this, that the church in Philippi, they gave, and they gave financially. And Paul writes pretty lengthy about that in chapter four. He says, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on to Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. So, so see that more than once? It wasn't just one gift. There was a continual support that they were giving to Paul. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the, moment, at the moment, I have all that I need and even more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So here, Paul, he's acknowledging the financial gifts that the church has sent him. And, and I just want to remind us that God uses his people to fund his work. We have to chew on that a little bit. So God uses his people to support the local church. There's no other way that, this, that the local church is supplied or funded but through God's people. God uses his people to support missions in this world. Missionaries rely on the local church and God's people to fund them. And so I think we have a responsibility in that. But Paul's not, if you notice, he's not putting the emphasis on keep giving to me. He's putting the emphasis on the spiritual principle, the reward that happens when we are giving people. And he's saying that, that when we give, it's a sweet aroma to God. And that we employ this spiritual principle where God meets every need that we have. That we can give because we know that the, 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 the supplier, the giver, is going to take care of us. And so that's a third way that as a church, we can get behind and support those who we, who we, uh, who we say we support in missions. And so the question is, can we give? Can we give to where missionaries who are out doing the work don't have to worry about if they're going to pay their rent that, that month or eat? or if they need to rush home because of a, of a sickness in the family or, or, or a health issue. This, just this year alone, um, Barbie's father had a, had a heart attack, and so she needed to get home quick. And they needed people to step up and help support that. Pete just had a neck surgery, and, and they had to come to um, Virginia, I think, and he had neck surgery. He's still recovering for that. They, that was extra expenses that, 
They needed, they needed to rely on God's people to help bring that. And so the question is, as a church, is this a practical way that we can support missions and get behind missions? So, so, the, so here's the practical application, is that we would get involved personally. And I think it says up there to join a pit crew. And I'm going to explain that in a second. But the way we get involved is through prayer, through encouragement, and through giving. And, you know, I think it's timely. This was not planned out. I think God works in ways sometimes that we just need to recognize. You know next week's the Indy 500, right? How many is excited about that? Three. Okay. How many remembered that next week's the Indy 500? Three. <laughs> but, I mean, come on. If you're from Indiana, you should, you should recognize this. But next week's the Indy 500. And, you know, all week long, or all month, I think when I first came to Indiana, I realized that, like, May 1st, it kicks off and stuff starts happening. And I had to work in Indianapolis one year. And, man, it was hard to just move around because of the, all the happenings for the building up to the 500. But, you know, all this week what will happen is the, the drivers will be interviewed and they will be, you know, they will be the, in the spotlight. And as these drivers run around in circles for several hours, that's all it is, dude. You're just driving in circles, okay? I do that in the parking lot to get the closest space. So am I a race car driver, Ducey? Okay. <laughs> but here's what happens. Those guys are successful out on the course because they have a pit crew in the, in, it, behind the scenes supporting them. They have men and women who, who know the, the, the strain that's happening on the driver, the strain that's happening on the car, and when the car comes in, they know what to do to pop the hood and make adjustments, Right? And so, so they're successful in the race because they're, they've got a pit crew behind them. And, and we, we, I just want to equate that to us supporting missions. If we want our missionaries who we support, if we want those that are going out in the trenches, um, stepping into, into other cultures to be successful, they can, they, can, they can see more success if they have a pit crew behind the scenes saying, hey, we, we're checking the oil. We're, we're putting fuel in the tank. We've got you covered. And so, and so what we've done is we've established some, some pit crews for our three areas of serving. So, so Dave Russell is one of our crew chiefs, and he's going to be a crew chief for, for Scott for this summer. And so, um, and so he will be the one that will kind of lead that team in order to support Scott. And, and Dave Grant will be our crew chief for Peter and Barbie. He has a really close relationship with Peter and Barbie. He worked for them with Destiny Rescue for a number of years. And so he's going to be our crew chief for that. And because by, by nature, I'm, I'm tied in with the Russia Partnership, I'll be the crew chief for the Russia Partnership. And here's, here's the, the practical, real-time way that we can get involved. You can join a, a, a pit crew. And as a, as a team, we can support the missionaries that are out there driving the cars. I'm going to keep using car stuff as much as I can here. And so, so in the back, we have the three, three pit crews. And here's what I want you to do. If, if you recognize, yeah, I can support missions. I could pray for missions and for individuals. I could encourage them. I could send an email. I could, I could do a Skype conversation. I can give. I can come up with strategies that we can, can help to support them. I want you to go in the back, and I want you to sign up for a pit crew. And... Uh, and then the, the crew chief will, will contact you and, and we'll strategize on how we can support Scott for the summer and how we can support Peter and Barbie and how we can support those in Russia. Okay, so, so why don't you go ahead and stand with me. And here's how it's going to go down. As we finish in a, in a song of worship, the lights are going to stay up 
And even now, just be free that if you know, yeah, I wanna, I'm going to join a pit crew, that you would go back and you would just sign up, put your name, your number, and if you could throw your email on there as well, put those on there and say, I'm committing to joining a pit crew so, to support missions in this world. And so, so that's during this last song. Also during this last song, Scott's going to come up and stand up here, and let's, let's just get some people to come gather around him, lay hands on him, pray encouragement over him, pray, pray protection for him as he travels and as he, he lives in a for, foreign country for the summer. And let's send Scott off knowing, for him knowing that he's supported and loved, okay? So Scott, go ahead and come on up here. And then probably the final challenge is this. I think that there's people in here that probably at one time in your life you thought maybe God might be calling you towards missions on some level, and you've not done it. And, and here, here's what I would, I would encourage you to do. That if, if there's ever been this inkling that I think, I think God has something for me, either in the future or, or has had something for me, and I've, I've let that moment pass, would you come up and, and receive prayer? And just let some people join with you and say, hey, we, we will stand with you as you seek God and as, as he opens doors for you. Would you be willing to do that? So, so at the end of the song, there'll be people up here, and they're, they're here to pray for, for anyone, for anything. So if you need prayer for anything in your life, they're here to pray for you for that. But if you, if you think missions might be on, on your horizon, would you come and just receive prayer and let us start that support for you? This morning, the... Um, Dave, would you just come share this? Because yeah. I think you can share it better than I can. So the, so the, the prayer team were, was praying this morning, and, and what, the word they got from God just tied in with missions, and so he can explain this. So as we were praying, uh, one of the, one of the uh, uh, people in the, in the group saw this picture of this, this uh, uh, um, grapes. They were, they, were, they were bunches of grapes, and, and they were just huge. They were huge, and uh, uh, what we got out of this was that, that that these grapes were bearing fruit. All the missions that we do bears fruit, and um, it's exciting to see that uh, Scott's going to be going and, and all this other stuff that we've got, but as we pray, it releases a lot of God's power, and it bears fruit, so if if you feel like you want to sign up for something, the biggest thing we need is prayer. That's the biggest thing all these people need is prayer. That's the biggest thing we can do is, is prayer. So uh, that bears fruit, and, and in that, for yourself, one of the rewards is, is receiving that refreshment, that time of refreshing, of, of just knowing that, that God's kingdom is going forward because of what you're doing, and that's your part. So that's what we see on that. Good. Let, let me close this in prayer, and then as, as you feel like you want to, go ahead and respond in the back or come up and pray for Scott. So, Father, God, I, we recognize that you have given your people the opportunity and, and the call to bring your kingdom to this world. Lord, that's something that we need to understand on a greater level, that that's our, that's our job. That's our job description. That's our, that's our charge. And so, God, just even, even through this morning, would you just remind us just remind us in our hearts that we are your ambassadors, that you have called us and, and given us this great opportunity to bring your work to this world. And Lord, we know that, that you also 
call and use your people to, to support and to fund the work of your kingdom. And so, God, again, would you just instill in our hearts that you are our supplier, that you have our needs met, and that we, we can release and, and just, just be givers for people who are doing your work. We can, we can support them through, through prayer. We can support them through just encouragement, through letters and, and gifts and, and, and communication, and we can support them financially. God, would you cause us to be people that are givers? Would you have us just make radical adjustments in our life to say, I want to be a giver. I want to see God's kingdom come, and I can, be, I can do that through my finances and through my gifts. Lord, would you bring your kingdom in the work that Peter and Barbie are doing? Lord, as, as they are just in transition and things are growing, would you bring the, the needs that they have for their organization and their ministry? Would you continue to cut roads um, within the government for them to, to, to shine your light in, in Dominican Republic? Father, would you, would you just... Um, have the vineyard churches in Russia be a beacon to the Russian people. Just uh, a, a group of people that are committed to your kingdom, God, would you, would you encourage them even as, as they're wrapping up services and wrapping up their Sunday? And Father, for Scott, would you encourage Scott, continue to speak to him about, about his calling in, in, in aviation missions? God, would you open doors through the summer as he goes through this ministry and as he, he kind of is on a interview with them, that you would just open doors for him to, to fulfill the calling you've given him. And Lord, we will commit as a church to, to support that and to be behind that. Because we want to see your kingdom come in Warsaw and in this world. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.